So that song right there may not seem like the best song to start a podcast off with, but it's called The Warrior. My co-host Jacob chose the topic to discuss on this episode of Comics from Comics on Infinite Earths. I'm your host, Michael. Jacob, why would I play a song called The Warrior? Because we're going to be discussing Marvel's The New Warriors. That's why. <laughs> it's, basically, it's basically Marvel's answer to DC's Teen Titans. Oh, yeah. At least that's my interpretation. About a decade late. I wonder why it took them so long. Do you think it's because they had the X-Men and they were always kind of younger than the rest of the Marvel Universe? Uh, I believe so, yeah. I think, well, I mean, the X-Men had a huge ensemble and there were so many, like, you know, little spinoffs and characters that could have their own story. It, or it was like, it was its own huge, huge universe. It didn't really need to blend in with Avengers or anything. Yeah. Well, but, the X-Men, then they graduated to the New Mutants, then the New Mutants became X-Force. So at the time the New Warriors debuted, they really didn't have a teen-oriented team. No, not really. And, and of course, with this one, it is a bunch of a uh, group of uh, youngsters. You know, everyone's just like what in their early twenties, college students. Something. I think Robbie Speedball is actually the youngest one. He's yeah, yeah, still yeah. underage. He seemed like about fifteen. As is, oh yeah, and uh, and of course uh, Firestar. She's like what? Yeah, she's in high school. I think she's a senior. Yeah, this is a weird team because this is one of those amalgam teams where it grabs people either that were brand new or they were from series that didn't really take off or they kind of had been forgotten. Marvel would do this with their Defenders line. Defenders was a way of grabbing characters that weren't part of the Avengers or the X-Men and give them their own team. Never really that popular, but had a very strong cult following. And if you want to see like oddball characters together, that was the place to go. But uh, New Warriors grabs, we got Nova, who was a star during the 70s and the early 80s, and then had kind of faded away from Marvel Spotlight as sci-fi titles stopped being popular. Uh, we yeah. Have, we have Marvel Boy, who I, I don't recall being part of the Marvel Universe before, at least not something pivotal that I would remember. He might have been. Yeah, me either. I had, like, no idea who he was, but I have a feeling he is, um, is going to become something great right before he dies. Yeah. I, I have a feeling he's going to die. <laughs> Um, now, people, yeah. you may know what happens after the New Warriors. I kind of know some stuff, too. We're not going to discuss what happens after the book, uh, except maybe a little bit, maybe about Speedball. But for the most part, it's about this one pivotal launch of their, the, the title, the first, like, six issues. Um, there's also Firestar, who is a weird anomaly because she was part of the animated series, The, um, the Amazing Spider-Man and His Friends. And uh, I think I have that title wrong, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, for all you nerds out there yeah. who are about to slap me. Don't worry, I'm not going to slap you, Michael. I understand. Sometimes we get words jumbled up. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, so she was never really part of the comic book series, you know, at any time until with the New Warriors. I really don't remember her being in any issue of anything at all until this uh, comic debut. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember her uh, mainly because I played the video game Maximum Carnage first, and she was like a character, a power-up that you can use to destroy all the bad guys around you. And she was very crucial because, you know, fire is one of the symbiote's weaknesses. Right. And you needed that to take out Carnage. And also, I read some of the New Warriors later on, like when Rage joined the team. Oh, yeah, definitely. Or when Rage was part of the team. So I do have a familiarity with her. But she always, to me, she just seems – well, no, I think she's a great character. But she's also, like – she does seem, like, somewhat fragile and, you know, very sensitive. She is compassionate. That's what Fire I like about Star her. You need someone. Rage? Oh, Firestar. Okay. Rage. Oh, my God. Rage was a dude. <laughs> Yeah, no, Rage, Rage definitely had, I mean, especially the series I read, when, you know, this, uh, this criminal gang went after their, uh, went, went after their family members, but I digress, let's 
keep introducing the characters. All right, who else is on the team? Namorita, who is Namor's cousin. I think she's an Antian. I want to say, isn't she a clone? Oh shit, I don't know. I really thought she was just like his cousin. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just her cousin, but I'm I'm probably thinking of a interpretation later down the line, like she Maybe. was cloned. Yeah, uh, who's basically you know kind of like a cousin. You know, she's a little more emotional. You know, she's a little bit hot headed, and she's definitely the hot babe of the team. Oh, of course, yeah. Everybody, everybody wants her, especially <laughs> Speedball. And uh, when we have Speedball, um, who was in his own series, I think for about eighteen issues, it was more kid friendly. It was supposed to take up the gap uh, that Spider Man no longer filled, because at this point, Spider Man was getting more and more serious. He was caught up in these huge miniseries, uh, not miniseries, but like those summer events, uh, and, and then he had four issues going. This was kind of taking the pattern, you know, that that storyline of Spider Man, you know, a teenager, a loser, has powers that are beyond his grasp, and trying to learn to be responsible taking that back so that kids could kind of relate to that, whereas they had kind of lost that audience with Spider-Man at the time. Speedball was not very popular, and so, you know, he's at best a minor cult item, so they added him to the New Warriors. I want to say Sleepwalker around that time had his own limited series that was kind of popular, but I think later he also became part of the New Warriors. Could be wrong. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure who Sleepwalker is, but as far as Speedball goes, I think it was great to introduce someone as young as he is to, you know, again, connect with the younger audience, draw them in like Spider-Man did, you know, as you just mentioned. Plus, I like his abilities, how he, like, pretty much has to build up a kinetic force in order to, you know, move around. Like, you know, he'll jump in front of a train while, like, you know, building up the energy and then just get launched by it, and he'll be okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he has a hard time landing. his powers are amazing. It's how they design the character. He looks stupid. It looks terrible. Not only does his costume look terrible, but um, Nova's new costume, compared to his classic costume, is dumb. I hate that costume in the first arc of New Warriors. But Penance, yeah, no, I <laughs> Penance yeah, is what ooh, Speedball becomes penance. later. I know, dude. It's a tra- dude. It's such a huge tragedy for like for Speedball. Uh, his first costume, yeah, it was like blue and kind of. Uh, it looked very molecular. You know, like you thought he'd be magic bubbles. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is Sorry, that famous no, thing it, with the little bubbles? Scrubbing bubbles. <laughs> he scrub- yeah no he scrubs up crime that's his best power that's what he does and um oh my god honestly i think that's you know that's to me this is what molecular man would look like that Saturday night live skit with conan o'brien molecular the molecular man i thought molecular man was <laughs> that's a what hero. Huh. i have no idea i thought it was just molecular the molecular man from Maybe. Saturday night live just, that's yeah, all i, I thought <laughs> and who is the this last is what I member picture. of the new warriors we haven't discussed yet uh, he's the leader of the group, basically. He's the one putting it all together. He's kind of like a Batman, Night Thrasher. <laughs> Night Thrasher. Also, the code word for my parents are like, oh, there's that noise. Michael's, my- Michael's Night Thrashing again. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Night Thrasher sounds ba- like a code gonna... word for med- masturbation. Well, it could be that, or, you know, it could be mm, could be an 80s hair metal band, too. Or it could be a skateboarder. Oh, my God. What if Night Rider had a kid? And then Kit had a son, sort of. And it was like a little skateboard that would talk and had special powers. Then it would be Night Thrasher. <laughs> yeah, that's the funny thing. Night, Thra- Night Thrasher actually does ride a skateboard. That's superpowers. <laughs> you see him it has this advanced technology in it. Of course. I mean, he's a rich kid. Yeah, you know, his parents were killed when he was young, and he decides to become a mass vigilante. <laughs> but I think he doesn't have control of his anger like Batman does. No, he's I mean, way he, worse given than the fact, Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Uh-uh. I know. People, they, like his friends, have to intervene to stop him from killing someone. Like, that's how bad it gets. And then, of course, later on, they'll introduce characters like Silhouette and Rage, who I think really, you know, 
fill out the rest of the team. I totally forgot about Silhouette. I, I remember reading the comic, because she's in part of this arc, but I remember her later as part of the team. I was like, who did she become? I can't remember. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of it was kind of nice for... I think later on down the line, she does become kind of like a ball and, cha- a ball and chain for Night Thrasher to keep him in check. Yeah. Something he really holds to. Because, you know, there was a deep connection. I mean, he used to, you know, fight crime with her brother. And her brother was just kind of drawing the line, trying to kill cops. Night Thrasher wasn't trying to do that. And, you know, and then, you know, later on, they reunite. Night Thrasher beats the shit, out of the shit out of the guy because he, you know, he's an asshole. He's very evil, basically, just to sum it all up. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> let's, still, let's start the story off at the very beginning. Who is our first major villain? Uh, Terax. All right. He's one of, uh, I feel like he's a Silver Surfer villain. You know, one of those Guardians of the Galaxy kind of villains that uh, was more intergalactic, which is was a surprising he was, huge yeah. hero for them, or a huge villain for them to face off with so early. He was, actually, yeah. Uh, he even mentions that as, you know, during the, his introduction when they come to fight him. And I think Marvel, yeah, no, uh, Marvel Boy, I think, wasn't he, I think, was a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. He mentions that in his introduction. He tries to join the Avengers, but... His powers aren't fully developed. That's so, right. You know. Now later, Firestar and uh, Marvel Boy, who I swear changed his name to something else, but um, they became part of the Avengers for a while. Oh, uh, I, yeah, no, I was just, I again, I'd never heard of Marvel Boy. I don't know much about him other than from what I just read about New Warriors. But he does seem like an interesting character, especially when you see him getting like arguments with his dad, you know, over the being a, you know, just because of like who he is and you know his powers and him going out at night, you know. Becoming a vigilante, yeah, getting involved with new warriors. But of course, Marvel Boy, like you know, he puts his dad in his place. He's like, "You are not going to touch me again," and uses his powers on him. You know, I liked about this story is they were smart enough not to just make this about the adventure, like the action, the fighting. They knew well enough. I think Fabian Nicenza, I think, is the writer on this, and he focused on their home life too. How does it affect them as a teenager? That's the way younger readers could really relate to what was going on because they have troubles at home too, and they want to do stuff, and their parents hold them back. Uh, and Mark Bagley's art. Now, Mark Bagley is one of the hardest-working comic book guys around. Didn't get any credit at the time for how good his art was. I didn't even get it. I was more into the flashy stuff, like Rob LaField and Todd McFarlane. I didn't get what he was doing. But, um, you know, outside of New Warriors, he ended up becoming a huge part of Spider-Man. Uh, not just the Amazing Spider-Man line, but also the Ultimate Spider-Man. He did that for, what, like 90 issues or something like that? Oh my god, yeah, wow, 90, damn, that's a lot. That's a long, long run. I think he holds the record. Before that, I think it was Jim Valance with Catwoman, he had done 75-ish. But yeah, you know, uh, Mark Bagley does a fantastic job getting the emotions across. You know, a lot of artists can do the flashy stuff, but they can't do the personal stuff. Right, yes, no. And, as far, yeah, no, I mean, even just from reading the new, you know, the new Warriors classic, yeah, no, it really got personal with all these characters. I mean, you know, Speedball, you know, you kind of get a glimpse into his life. You know, he's, like, split between, you know, he's, you know, constantly shifting, you know. Uh, it's, it's shared visitation with his mother and his father. They're split. Yeah. And, you know, she's a lawyer. He's an art, I guess he was an art, you know, going to art galleries. You know, they're both very well off. They're both upper middle class, you know, parents. And, you know, being part of the New Warriors is kind of like he, he gets a, kind of an acceptance and an outlet, you know, to forget all that crap. And then Neighborita, I think, yeah, no, she does, um, again, yeah, that's what they eventually um, develop into becoming, like a small family, you know, people that always have their back no matter what. Yeah, so 
That was the, that was the big appeal and of I, the comics, is that, you know, it was... And, and that's what they get it right about a lot of these teen comics. No matter how good the, or bad the heroes are, you know, some of the... Like the Justice League, when it was just Blue, <laughs> Booster Gold and Blue Beetle and, and, like, a couple other characters that weren't that well-known, it was about the family atmosphere. It wasn't always about the big adventures, which yeah. is what I think sometimes the Justice League could be guilty of. But Marvel's never really had that problem. They've always made sure that the the person behind the mask is what really matters. Precisely, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it was. I was pretty interested on how these characters were. Richard Ryder, I don't, re- I didn't really get to see too much into that. I, I mean, think, other, than, I mean, it was I great. The reason they didn't dive too much into him is because he did get the chance at getting some of his story out. I mean, his comic I think ran for three or four years back in the uh, late seventies, early eighties. So some readers had some exposure to his backstory. It's the other ones that needed more focus because no one knew who the hell they were. Oh yeah, you're right. I mean, it is, it, honestly, especially when you're, like, getting, like, characters that have been, like, introduced or shown before, you know, just to kind of have little have little focus on them while the others get uh, get their uh, screen time. This, I honestly think they should definitely, I think Marvel should do something with this series. They should turn it into a Netflix series or something. Well, Make them part of the Street Heroes. Yeah, it would be nice if they were part of, like, there was a, some middle ground. Because everybody on the big screen, are, it seems to be, like, these huge, cosmic, massive adventure kind of stuff. The Netflix series is more about uh, the street characters, the street you know, normal everyday criminals with maybe a little bit extra edge. The new warriors are right in the middle. You know, they can handle your guys with maybe a little bit more advanced powers, you know, a little more cosmic. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't see them being a cinematic adventure. Uh, the new warriors were not well enough known outside of their original run. They tried to relaunch them a few times, and they kept screwing up. They kept changing the lineup and everything like that. I mean, you know what we were talking about earlier is when um, the tragedy that launches Civil War is the new warriors end up fighting at this school. I can't remember who they fight, like uh, Nuke or something like that, Nuklo. And, yeah, someone, uh, who, someone who explodes. Yeah, most of them explode. Uh, most of them die, except for, I think, Speedball is the only survivor. Now, is Night Thrasher part of that team that died? I cannot remember. I can't recall, and if he was, I'd be very, very upset. I know Namorita died. Yeah. I know quite a few of them. Quite a few of the others died. Quite of the main ones died. But not the original core. Like, Namor, or not Namor, Nova had gone off on his own. Um, Yeah. Marvel Boy and Firestar were gone. It's one of those things where Marvel saw this team that was going nowhere, and they decided to burn them off and save Speedball, who had become Penance. He felt like he needed to pay for his sins. Oddly enough, he was fighting for the wrong side. He was fighting with Harry, uh, uh, not Harry Osborn, um, Norman Osborn. Norman. Yeah, and, you know, they, they explored the potential of his power. Uh, he became, I think, part of the Thunderbolts. But it's only this initial run of the New Warriors that really seems to matter. Now, it's been a few months since I read this book, so after fighting Terrax, what happens? Well, after fighting Terrax, there's a particular uh, company that um, looks in, that, you know, has observed them and wants to try and do something with their powers, basically use them for good. They do help out Thor with the Juggernaut. That was a huge thing. That's what got them a lot of attention. Yeah, Juggernaut is and, uh, not an easy villain to take out whatsoever. Oh, no. But when, like, using, like, Firestar and all of them at the same time, you know, shorting her out in order for, to, just so um, Thor can get the uh, swinging hit in. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, after that, they got some attention from, oh, gosh, I can't remember. Was it Doom? Well, it was Genentech. Genentech. Oh, that was the name of that. Definitely, definitely a comic book name, Genentech. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, they definitely just... Oh, you'd think they would be studying, you know, the mutant gene, you know, all these superheroes, like, you know, Captain America, Hulk, yeah. all that. Genetech sounds like a company that OCP would own. 
pretty much. <laughs> Who knows? It just might be. It could cross over with RoboCop later. RoboCop uh, versus X-Men. <laughs> yeah. But as far... <laughs> oh, man. I think Wolverine Robo would have a hell of a time. Wolverine just carve him up. It wouldn't even matter. It just one slice. Oop, done. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, I think what Genetech wanted to do with the New Warriors was, you know, kind of turn them into a publicity stunt, but at the same time, unlock their genetics because the CEO and uh, sole owner of the company... He wants to do. He wants something to do with. He wants to gain their abilities. He wants to become. He wants to create a perfect physical body with his uh, great intel intellect and mind. So he like tries to draw them out by getting the Mad Thinker and his like you know shape shifting robot to lure them to their base, and that of course brings in oh gosh, Psionic, which is like this group of. Mad Thinker is the dumbest name. Dumb, except the wizard. The wizard like the beats tinker, him. just like the or the tinkerer. Tinkerer. The calculator. Tinkerer. Dumb names. Oh, I know. I'm like, geez, calculator. My God, come on. Can you be a little bit more creative? Just call yourself Stan. Jesus. It's okay. <laughs> uh, or Jeff. You can just be Jeff. Just, <laughs> I'm the hey, Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Jeff the Great. Nobody cares about you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you yeah. guys. I'm going to be the calculator again. <laughs> no, the dreaded calculator calculates again. <laughs> he spelled boobs upside down. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah but still i mean it ha i thought the introduction was just absolutely perfect i loved reading it i ha i read it twice since i since i've got it yeah, oh man i it didn't resonate as much with me as it did with you but it wasn't a bad read whatsoever and i remember it was like oh yeah that's right this is when i was reading for some reason at this time i was reading new warriors and the guardians of the galaxy now not the guardians of the galaxy that mm. everybody knows not the one from the movies it's the one that was in the far-flung future with Astro Vance, who I think is and actually... Cosmo. What's that? Cosmo, the space dog. I don't think Cosmo the space dog was part of it, but maybe. Um, I'm so, isn't, isn't the Guardians of the Galaxy actually tied to this storyline, this first arc of New Warriors? I feel like Astro was in this. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I know, well, Marvel Boy, yeah, he's, a, he's, he's what bridges in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy along with Terax, but yeah, no, that's... I. Don't think so. All right, maybe I'm wrong. I could have swore when I was reading that that they had a, a things like Astro Vance from the future, who's like the future Captain America, um, was part of their storyline. But uh, I drink a lot, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Oh, yes, absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I'll take another martini. <laughs> what is after this, is this a... in the storyline? Hmm? Eh? Say that again. What? Oh, I was, I'm sorry. I was too busy plotting. I wasn't listening. Um, no, what happens after this storyline? After the uh, the calculator, or no, the bad thinker. Okay. Um. Oh, they do get involved with the Inhumans because a particular uh company is just um launching all these chemicals onto the moon oh, to right, right, right. get the move out, and so they help out Black Bolt and they help out the rest of the Inhumans. And Nay Marina, um, she's actually, I think she's actually pretty familiar with uh oh god, what's his name? The one who looks like a uh, the one who looks like Savage Dragon. Karn. Karn. Karnak? Karnak? I think Karnak might be from Johnny Carson. <laughs> I'm not sure. Karnak the Magnificent. Yeah. Or isn't Karnak the uh, island that Mc, uh, Magneto goes to? You know what? I don't know anymore. Triton. I think that's Genosha. Oh, I think you're thinking of Genosha. Here's what's happening right now. The Marvel fans at home are going, you guys are assholes. Stop recording right now. I'm writing an angry letter. <laughs> I want to say Karnak might be involved with Black Adam. But no, the guy's name is Triton. Triton. Dumb. I'm so dumb. Triton. Yeah. But, man, it's just, um, so they do get involved with that. They're involved with the Inhumans, and they're indebted to them. You know, they buddy up. Although, they're, it's a good, yeah, I'm just glad that Black Bolt has not, 
you know, didn't accidentally slip and say hi. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, what if he trips and falls and just hey, goes, then next everything's destroyed. Okay, what if he coughs? What if he gets sick and he coughs? Oh, God. I don't know. I have no idea. Do they, like, super glue his mouth shut? I oh, my God. How can't. do they do that? What if he gets sick? What if he burps? Does he not eat? Does he not bust? Do we not belch? I think it's based on, like, him actually, like, perform, like, you know, pronouncing a letter or saying a letter or something like that. And then the whole thing just ripped up. Oh, wait, home's destroyed again. Good going. Way to go, Black Bolt. You're, you're the king of the fucking world now. We can't even get insured, Black Bolt. Thank you. Our premiums are like, Oh, well, we got superpowers. We can rebuild this shit. <laughs> and they, but they do get involved with the Watcher, too. Yeah, that he makes an appearance because he is involved with the Inhumans. The Watcher is dead, by the way. The Watcher was killed last year. And who shot the Watcher is one of the best Marvel stories of the last decade. <laughs> so good. Just like who shot Mr. Burns? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it was a didn't actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn, dude, that is fucking nuts! Like, how can anyone kill the Watcher? It's like you think he couldn't die, someone yeah, like him. I, I, yeah. I really need to reread it. It was really good. I just can't remember now who killed him and why. But it was a fantastic story because oh, like, it's all well, about like this big mystery and why. Why would you take out the Watcher of all things? Because I know, but he didn't see that coming. Yeah, oh. which is, no, he does. I swear he sees it coming, and he knows it's inevitable anyway, and I think he's tired of not being able to help anybody, and he just sees all these horrors. But I remember they kill him so they can steal his eyes. Remember, they, it's like they see, they steal his eyes, and they want to use what he sees um, against the heroes because he knows the identities of all the heroes. So therefore, they have an upper hand against their nemesis. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that kind of makes sense. That's kind of like what uh, Agent Smith did in The Matrix. He has to go and absorb the Oracle so he can see everything. Everything! <laughs> everything! All right. What else have we missed in this episode? Or this, this uh, trade paperback? What is the name of the trade back, uh, paperback? Is it just called Beginnings? Uh, classic. Classic. All right. Anything else you missed in the storyline you want to discuss? Class. Well, honestly, I... I will have to say, like, later on down the line, the issues I read were, like, you know, death in the... Fa it was kind of like a death in the family issue. Yeah. Where the he's just, like, targeting the family members. Like, you know, Rage's grandmother was killed. That's all he had. And, you know, they went after uh, Firestar's dad. They went after Robbie's, you know, uh, Richard Ryder's brother. And Namorita, of course, felt like, you know, it was her fault because she had the dossier on all of them. And she was seduced by this guy. Uh, Kashu was his last name. And, yeah, that just... It just went all straight to hell. Everybody's tensions are so high. You know, everybody just, you know, rage, you know, ends up not giving, going with a plan of surrendering themselves, you know, to save their family members. Rage just goes out on its own and becomes an, a completely different person. Hmm. Smashing shit up, trying to find the, trying to find the, you know, trying to find the guy that did this. And in the end, he ends up doing it. He breaks uh, Cashew's neck, smashes up the rest of the machine and just kills him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that after... Pretty sure that he was part of the Avengers first. Like he was like just like six issues of the Avengers. The Avengers like had everybody that was ever in the Marvel universe that wasn't a mutant in the. Well, okay, they had the Beast. He was a mutant. But um, I remember Rage being introduced with like Triathlon or something stupid around this time. And they're like, well, he sucks. Triathlon. Well, the New Warriors need another team member. All right, let's just throw him in there. <laughs> let's give them a Hulk. Let's give them a hulking man. Yeah, they didn't really have a tough guy. I mean, Night Thrasher was a tough guy, but not in a not in a power way. Just like you know, just kick your teeth. No, he wasn't. Away. Yeah, you, they knew they needed a heavy hitter. They needed a slugger, and what they I, got that with Rage. What, yeah, what impressed me most was that they had a black lead, an African American superhero. Not only was new, instead of like this is what drives me nuts. Um, 
I hate it when they take a known superhero, they'll kill him off and just give the costume to someone of um, uh, who's not white or, and male. Um, why don't you just create a new, fresh, original hero like the Night Thrasher? That way they have their own thing instead of just inheriting somebody's old, moldy costume, you know? Exactly. No, that's what I liked about it, too. Like, he was just some, you know, street a street-level hero who decided to get a team together of all these, like, you know, superheroed people. Yeah. It's great. I, I thought, yeah, it was. It was very refreshing. And, you know, again, he is a, you know, he is a be- definitely a positive role model. <laughs> all right, everybody. Kind of. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we go? I really hope they give this series another shot. I would love to see this on Netflix. It would be great to see. I mean, come on. If Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. can have their own show, and then you also have, you know, Daredevil and, of course, Punisher, and then Luke Cage and Jessica Jones with their shows, then they should definitely they earn theirs. That, that's for sure. Especially with the young – especially – Start definitely start them out younger as well. Yeah, you know, we'll just start so a younger just audience. Do an connect. animated series. Just do an animated series. Michael B. Jordan would. Dude, Michael B. Jordan would be awesome, as, but then again, no, he's going to be in a cinematic universe. Never no, mind, he's going to be the some, villain. Let's get all fresh life. faces. Let's get people you've never seen before. Maybe at best some TV show. Let's get some fresh faces in there. That way, you don't have any preconceptions about who they are. You know, they don't bring anything to the character besides the character itself. You know, it's like, oh, this guy, he's a party animal. You know, he's all ladies' man. You know, you want to be, um, that's what they used to do with superhero movies. These guys were nobody. They were unpredictable. The only time they've done that recently was with Thor. I mean, that Chris Hemsworth, no one really knew who he was. Not really, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, that, that's what I liked about that, too. They didn't really get a big name. They just decided to go give it to a new guy. You know, Chris Evans was well-known. I mean, you know, he's done his comedies, and he was also the Human Torch. But then, you know, giving him Captain America, he became a big somebody. Yeah, so we can't get a hit off the... Off the ground after that. I mean, Snowpiercer should have been huge. Oh, I know that was. I know that that was an underrated film. That was a highly underrated film. And he's also uh, he's done some like you know side projects that go you know straight to Netflix. I thought like you know great you know critically successful. That much is certain. All right, I've but, cut this short. Yes. Um, I hate. I've never done this before, but uh, Jacob, I got to poop. So. <laughs> Guys, we gotta stop. Let's wrap all right, this up. All right. All right. <laughs> you know, okay, 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 okay. Namaste and good luck, you guys. Have a great day. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> Be excellent to each other. Check us out on Facebook under Back in Tunes. Now, you said Back in Tunes. That's animation. No, we are doing spinoffs. Comics on Infinite Earths is a spinoff of Back in Tunes, so maybe one day it'll get its own page, but for right now, it's staying with that. We figured cartoons and comic books are a perfect match. Uh, until then, stay warriors, kids. Welcome to Video Night. We're doing another entry of our franchise frenzy. We're going to be discussing the Rambo franchise. Last episode, we discussed the Rocky franchise. And I have with me, of course, hello, Jacob. My name is, I don't have a name. I'm a soldier without a name. <laughs> uh, sorry, I know. I tried. You have I tried. In your I mouth? thought it'd be funny. What was that? Recall! <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to do a Stallone impression. I, I was like, ah, oh, what? It was one of his funniest lines of all time, besides oh, okay. screaming Rico and Judge Dredd. There, there's, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, after watching Judge Dredd, we came out going, I'm law! I'm law! <laughs> At each other <laughs> randomly. There, um, there is a trailer that plays at work all the time. It's called Little Boy. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's uh, from Mark Burnett. He decided to make movies, and... Uh, it has uh, this little boy who talks to his father in this, this fantasy world, 
and uh, his fantasy world dad is uh, Michael Rappaport, and he's like, uh, "Do you believe we can do this?" And he goes, "Yes, I believe we can do this." And uh, they, they constantly reiterates throughout the trailer, and we were, we joke about it all the time at work. And the other day, I just thought it'd be hilarious if, like, right before an Expendables movie is made, if Stallone and Schwarzenegger are just sitting around going, "Hey, yo, do you believe you can do this?" Yeah, I believe I can do this. Ah. <laughs> I. Get to the chopper! <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, anyway. So, what were we talking about tonight? Besides making fun of Stallone? <laughs> yeah, well, that's all we're going to do. Forget it, we're not going to talk about any movies. Alright, so if you pay attention to the last five episodes, I think it's five episodes, of Franchise Frenzy, we basically just speed run through uh, a, a movie series and discuss all of them. You know, what we liked about them, what we hated about them, you know, what went right, what went wrong, you know, our favorite ones. And uh, I, I particularly enjoy the very first uh, Rambo movie, First Blood. And you've seen oh, it yeah. all, correct? Of course. And it took place in Oregon. Yeah. And if you go back and watch the first one after seeing the sequels, you're like, holy shit, this was actually kind of restrained and subtle and thoughtful. And of course, it's based on, I know. It's based on David Morrell's book. It's, it's, a lot about, it's a lot about how dealing with post-Vietnam how we treated our veterans, how we treated them like shit. And pretty much how things can just get out of control when both sides refuse to just give in. I know. And, you know, we lost so many, you know, we've lost so many, you know, men, men during that conflict. It was a bloody, brutal conflict. I mean, shit. Plus it like showed, you know, it showed something about the U.S. military. It's like, we're not invincible. Even if we get into a conflict, we can't always win. And for them to be treated, you know, like some of the veterans coming home be called baby killers and whatnot. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I mean, just the the movie itself, it starts off with him just, he's all he's trying to do is get to his friends, you know? And he stops in this little town, and all he wants is probably just a meal. And he's basically picked up by Brian Dennehy, who basically throws him right out of town. This is his Fuck Brian Dennehy. Not, yeah, his kind is not welcome. <laughs> And when Rambo refuses to just go, you know what? Uh, fine, I'll walk to the next town. He he turns back around, and this is it. Just escalates. You know, he goes to jail. He escapes from jail. Things go wrong, and it just keeps building and building and building. And it, it's just and it's just funny how everybody's kind of a villain, and then there and there's a few people who are seriously villains. But a lot of it's just like escalating bad decisions. Mainly because of Brian Denny. Yes. Oh, well, no, there's, also fucking that, right there's that one jerk, the one guy who's, like, his sidekick. That yeah, the one with the mustache, yeah, balding, yeah. red hair. The one who was hosing him down and laughing at him and making fun of him. Piece of shit. FTP. For the, when it comes to that movie, FTP. You know, there is uh, an Italian ripoff of Rambo that's actually insanely entertaining. It's The beginning of it is almost the exact same, and it's not about Vietnam veterans, it's about the Native Americans, how we treated them horrible and brutalized them, and he goes on a one-man rampage. If you can find it, it's called Thunder Warrior, and there's actually three of them. Uh, all three are actually crazy level of entertaining, despite being low-budget and uh, not that well-written, but the action is really good. Oh, wow. Yeah, What's it called, Thunder Thunder Warrior? Yeah, it, it, well, um, some places it's just called Thunder, and then um, I think on video it was called Thunder Warrior. So there's three entries, and they, they uh, the series actually evolved better than the Rambo series. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, do that. And I don't know. I've never heard of it, and it sounds kind of funny, but, you know, eh, don't really care for it. What? Oh, the whole Thunderball or Thunder Thundernuts, whatever what? it was called. <laughs> what I just said, Thunder Warrior? Yeah. Um, Thunder Warrior, yes, that's it. <laughs> so, the, the first Rambo, and in fact, there was only going to be one movie. It was just going to be First Blood, and at the end of the movie, in the original cut, Rambo dies. He kills himself because he has a complete breakdown. Uh, in front of Richard Crenna, you know, saying how he doesn't understand how he went from running million-dollar equipment, being in charge, to being nothing, just absolutely nothing, a homeless bum who can't even get a job flipping burgers. I know, it's really, it's it's extremely fucked up. I mean, all he was trying to do was, you know, yes, at the beginning, he tried to find one of his squad mates that, you know, he served with in Vietnam, and sadly, no, he he passed away because of, you know, a certain disease brought back from Vietnam. Yeah, the it is. It's it's just it, you can't help but like sympathize for Rambo, even right. though how it's, badass and brutal he was. Yeah, it's a heartbreaking watching him melt down at the end of the movie. But the yeah, I know. Is, not a lot of people remember the beginning and the end, which are very somber. Uh, they mostly remember the middle part where he's using his skills to defend himself. You know, in the first movie, he's not really fighting; he's just defending against the police and they think that he's on the offense but it's really just the fact that he's prepared he sets his traps he knows what to do he knows how to survive and it's actually, he's a green beret he knows right. what the fuck he knows how to fuck shit up he's like a demented i don't want to say demented that's the wrong word no uh not demented but he is um he's obviously imbalanced emotionally but he completely just loses himself in who he was over in Vietnam. You know, burying himself in the mud, taking people hostage, doing all these craps. No, I know. It was, uh, it, it, like I said, he, he everything around him pretty much was a weapon. Yeah. Almost like, pretty much like MacGyver. So it's kind of crazy how the series would change. The second one is still pretty poignant. This time he's, he's in jail at the end of the first movie. So in the second one, he's out in one of those labor camps. And they ask him to go into Vietnam to bring back some POWs. And I, if I remember correctly, it's been a long time since I've seen the second one. I feel like it was because the government really didn't want to send in their own troops. They wanted to send a guy who could go on his own. And if he got caught, they would deny any you know, any knowledge of his mission or who he was. Am I right about that? Exactly. Exactly. Kind of like a Suicide Squad with DC. Right. That's kind of what it was. And, of course, they, in the end, in the second one, which was really fucked up, it, it was just to test out some equipment. It was never to save any soldiers. That's just the ruse they had to get Rambo to go along with it. Yeah, it's ridiculous that they wouldn't let them go. You know, it was all just like, oh, well, we didn't actually think you were going to find anybody. You know, it's it's another thing how we treat, uh, not just the Vietnam, but the fact that there's probably still, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's almost impossible there's still POWs. Who am I kidding? I, for some reason, I was going to say there's still POWs. If there are, they're... They probably don't even know who they are anymore. They're just being kept for someone's amusement. But it, it's just sad how many people were kept in captivity and never recovered. I know. It's it's, it's disgusting. It's horrible to even just imagine. There, there's but a, yeah, and, kind of a trend. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, but also, this one kind of gave Rambo a bit of a love interest, too. It's right. this one girl who helped him during the Vietnam War. And she was helping him out during this mission until she sadly was shot. So... <laughs> Damn, and then he wears her. Then he wears her necklace, you know, in memory of her. 
Is there any greater villain than communists? And we really hate the Russians. I mean, in the 80s, we just despised the Russians, and they made for some really great villains. Yeah, that's it. It was mainly just, yeah, Russians, Russians, Russians. I mean, shoot, Red Dawn, Rocky IV. Um, oh, God, what else is there? Uh, there is, if I remember correctly, No Retreat, No Surrender had a Russian villain, Van Damme playing a Russian. Uh, oh, of course. Uh, then, and then it got weird towards the end of the 80s when, like, Red Heat came out and Schwarzenegger was playing a Russian, but he's helping us. But, you know, the villains are still Russians. So it's like a mm-hmm. weird mix of good and bad. Uh, man. All right. And then... Go ahead. Yeah, and then, of course, you know, the Soviet Union collapsed. Yeah. So In the 90s. But go, right before that Soviet Union collapsed, we had Rambo 3, where, oddly enough, holy shit... Rambo is helping the Taliban. He's in Afghanistan helping the Taliban beat the Russians. Who knew? Yeah, no. The, well, yeah, exactly. The, the Al Qaeda, I think, is what they were. Oh. Taliban, Al Qaeda. Sometimes I can't tell the difference. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, that's one. That's the very first R-rated movie I ever saw in the theater. That um, it wasn't like, oh, there's two movies playing at the drive-in. One will be PG, and they assume I'd be asleep by the red, or by the the. I don't want to say red. By the R-rated one. <laughs> Damn Tommies. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got Russians in my mind. And this is the first time uh, it was an R-rated movie. My dad said, let's just go to this. And I'm like, I like the first two. Cool. I didn't know because I'd always I'd seen the TV edited version, how gory <laughs> it was going to get. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it it was it was pretty brutal. It was pretty intense. I, I ended up liking that one. I I mean, as far as like and then, of course, you see Richard Crenna's character get tortured, too. I was like, oh, dang, he yeah. could take it. For a guy his age. The, uh, like, good, he needs to get in some action. Why is it... I never really understood why it is the third one bombs. The, I mean, it's almost the same exact movie. Yes, it's going down and it's poignancy, but the action was there. And how do you go from $150 million in 1985, and then I think the third one made $50 million. It's just like, were people just like, I've had enough of Stallone, we're done here. Goodbye. Or they, or who, who knows? They probably didn't like the Middle Eastern influence. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really strange. Assholes. But uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie, and I think it's probably everybody's most memorable line from that is, uh, I'm your worst nightmare. Oh, yeah. I'm your worst nightmare. (laughs) 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 There's so many parodies. (laughs) UHF does a a great parody of Rambo 3. Oh, 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 and uh, have you ever seen National uh, Lampoon's Loaded Weapon with Emilio Estevez and Samuel Jackson? God, yes. <laughs> I'm worst nightmare. Waking up without my penis? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Or better yet, freaking, uh, what was it? Uh, Top Gun 2. Oh, no. Hot Shot 2 Part Deer. Yeah. And he was like, pretty much going on the whole, you know, Rocky, Charlie Sheen was the whole, like, Rocky 2 ensemble. Had the, like, headband and everything, shooting everybody up, like, a video, <laughs> keeping, getting a video game score. <laughs> yeah. Four kills in the more kills in Total Recall, most violent movie ever. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I mean, usually when people make parodies of particular genres and franchises, that just shows their love for them. Like, yeah. you can't help but love it you so much, we have to make fun of you. I mean, look what Mel Brooks did. <laughs> the, uh, the, the 80s, especially the last half of the 80s, was all about the one-man, you know, one-man army, wrecking crew coming in, destroying everything. Yeah, that oh, yeah. Of, that died out pretty fast because we realized how insanely ridiculous it was. But before that, you got movies like Steel Justice, uh, Red Scorpion, uh, uh, Missing in Action. Missing in Action apparently was based, what it is, the Canon Pictures had apparently seen a spec script for Rambo 2, 
mm-hmm. and decided instead of buying that, they were going to make up their own, and that's how they end up coming with the uh, Missing in Action series. Oh, shit. I mean, that's... that's who's in Missing in Action? Really been proven. <laughs> but who's in Missing in Action? What's that? Who's in Missing in Action? Oh, it's Chuck Norris. Oh. No wonder I haven't heard of it. <laughs> Actually, it was a really big hit. The first one was a huge hit at the time. Nowhere nearly Rambo level, but it was a big hit. But my favorite ripoff of all of those, and mind you, the Italians were kings of the ripoff movies. They probably made about 80 ripoffs of Rambo. But the Turkish film industry, you can look it up on YouTube, look up Turkish Rambo. They only have maybe 20 minutes of it. It is the funniest thing you've ever seen. You will crap your pants laughing at it. I'll have to look it up then. Well, okay. I remember back to UHF and they parodied it. I can't help but remember, you know, freaking Weird Al just in the piloting the helicopter. Before he launched every mi- missile, he would always yell out, "Wah!" No! In <laughs> <laughs> that freaking disgusting, you know, fake rubber body suit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the pulsating, sweaty, gross. I know, just all so he could rescue Kramer. <laughs> and uh, uh, since the third one bombed, it was so expensive. You know, I, it was time to put the franchise away. And Rambo actually, re- or not Rambo, Stallone retired from action movies for a short period. And if you look at his career, he always had huge international numbers. But in America, he was obviously losing favor. And we talked about this in the last episode. A lot of his stuff started going straight to video. And then he started looking around. Okay, what do I have? What do I have that I can use? Uh, well, I got Rocky. I can come back with Rocky Balboa. And it was a huge hit. And it did very well with critics. So he's like, well, if that works, I'll come back with another Rambo. Now I remember Rambo being in pre-production. They had a cast. And they had to let them go. And the, and the title of the movie kept changing over and over and over. In fact, I think my favorite one was like uh, uh, Rambo in the eyes of the cobra or the coils of the serpent or something ridiculous like that. It kept changing so much I can't I think I've amalgamated that, the names. <laughs> that sounds like it would be a you know a G.I. Joe team up. Right. You know there was a Rambo cartoon. Did you know this? Yes I did. I watched it a lot. That is bananas. And I even we even had the action figures. Oh that's wild man because it's just like taking a very violent movie that and turning into a weekly action show just boggles the mind. It's like uh we're going to turn Scarface into a weekly children's cartoon. <laughs> he's they, not, hey, he's they not did sniffing it. cocaine. He's got powdered donuts. Exactly. That's his addiction is powdered donuts. Same and, of course, then there was, you know. Her villages. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they did with RoboCop, too. They also turned it into, a, like, a cartoon series. Weird. Just strange. I, I, apparently, they tried to turn Commando into a cartoon, but I think they just put out, like, four action figures and gave up. Might as well. Honestly... There's really not too many cool characters that, you know, Commando would sell. All you really have is just Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Oh, Sully, I, I told you I'd kill you last. <laughs> That'd be a great dialogue. I lied. He had, like, an extendable foot that you could just drop, and he'd come back. <laughs> <laughs> or what's the oh, God, the yeah. And he'd have, like, a little pipe you could shove through his stomach, and then you could pull it out, and it would fix itself. Hey, it's battle damage. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, man. Honestly, I will say, like, Terminator was a huge toy franchise. I mean, we had a shitload of those. Yeah. We even had, like, little John Connor, and we also had the Terminators that you could mold skin around of. Really? Oh, man. Yeah. You just put it in a little machine, and then it gets, like, a, like, jellish 
plastic kind of mold around the Terminators. Huh. <laughs> yeah, my, my favorite Terminator toy was the uh, the action doctor, the one who would uh, show up in every sequel. You know, the big bald guy uh, with the, you know, he'd have that needle in his mouth and drop out. It's needle dropping action! <laughs> Dr. Yeah, Dr. Silberman. Yeah. By Earl, Earl Bowen. I don't know. I believe his name is. The fact you know that very well known. me. <laughs> well, he's a very well-known voice actor. I mean, he's, plus, like, I've seen him in uh, X-Men Apocalypse, no, X-Men Legends 1. He was also in, you know, Sword of the Berserk, the video game. Okay. And, yeah, I remember, yeah, he, he, sound, he sounds very similar to Tony Jay at times when he's speaking oh, in an accent. you're right, you're right. Uh, you know, we should totally do on our other podcast, Back in Tune, we do cartoons uh, every episode and discuss them, usually do a double feature. We should do one of Rambo and maybe Chuck Norris and the Karate Commandos because they're so absurd. Oh, of course. I mean, it's the 80s. What do you expect? There's, there is absolute absurdity in action movies. All right. And speaking of the 80s, uh, uh, Rambo 4 was obviously way past. I think it was the longest gap between sequels. And it came out and... The time the change and the gore in this is just is just horrifying. It was the time when Lionsgate was like, "Hey, Saw is huge. People are really into gore," and they just go bonkers. Now, originally, I think the movie was supposed to be Rambo versus the militia, but this one uh, they went in a different direction. It was about saving. Um, um, oh, dang well, it. they were saving some peace workers. Thank you. Or like Peace Corps kind yeah. of guys, uh, missionaries. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's who they were trying to save. And, um, yeah, he, so uh, basically they sent out some mercenaries to go and rescue them, but Rambo ends up helping him. All he was was just a ferryman right. living in the jungle of Burma. Yeah, yeah, no, it was like, oh, God, it was just so brutal to watch. I'm like, shit, this is actual shit that goes on. Yeah, you're watching Stallone not holding back. Around, guts and, you know, just like teeth flying out. You're just like, this is madness. But it, it does, I, I can't tell if it's trying to show you the true horror of war. Because Rambo always seemed kind of like, yes, he's very good at fighting, and if he has to, he'll do it. But he always seemed like a guy who was broken inside, who didn't want to. He just wanted to be at peace. And when you exactly. show the horror of how people get tore apart, I can't tell if it's gratuitous or it's necessary. I Like I said, sometimes, I guess, well, some explosions or, you know, splitting that guy open with a big old boy knife near the end. Oh, that was awesome. I love seeing that son of a bitch die. <laughs> but yeah. Oh man, it was intense. Plus, at the end, Rambo goes back home to his family's ranch. Yeah, it's a good way to end it. Apparently, they're not going to end it. He's been talking for oh, the last God, couple damn years. It. Yeah, and now he's been talking for like the last couple years about, yeah, we're going to do a final one called Last Blood. They're going to call it Last Blood. He's going to go home, and you think he's retired, and he has to take on somebody. He keeps talking militia, and I don't know if he'll do that or not. And he'll say that his character's probably going to die at the end. And frankly, I'm not uh, sure I want to see a five, but it's, you know, here's the thing what I've learned. If you see a bad sequel, I have a good way of erasing it from my mind. I still think Die Hard ended at Live Free or Die Hard. I refuse to acknowledge that last one. Oh, God, no, I don't even want to discuss that last one. But, you know, eventually on Franchise Frenzy, we're going to have to discuss the Die Hard movie. Shit, yes. Ah. That'll be awesome. Don't get me wrong, and I do want to discuss Bruce Willis. I mean, honestly... My favorite movie that he ever did was Fifth Element. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, so with Stallone, uh, we already discussed our favorite movies of his. What do you think is Stallone's worst movie? Oh, shit. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say Dem... No, I like Demolition Man. I thought that was one of his yeah, best, yeah, better movies. Kind of a crazy movie. 
Uh, Judge, uh, no, I can't say Judge Dredd. I mean, there are some parts, there's too much, there are, there are too much, there are plenty of things that I like about that movie, but overall, I'm like, eh, do I, I I wouldn't own this. I'll probably watch it every once in a great while, but that's it. Um, fuck, maybe not, I don't know. There are some perks about Bullet to the Head, and it's a Walter Hill film. I hated Bullet to the Head. I think a lot of the reason I have problems with Bullet to the Head is, uh, it's Walter Hill directing it, and Walter Hill is one of my favorite, if not favorite, director. And I felt like he was completely phoning it in. And the fact that they fired Thomas Jane like a couple weeks before shooting started because they thought, oh well, two white guys together won't sell, so they just throw in a guy who I like from the Fast and Furious movies, but he was wrong for the role, and it just drove me up the wall. I know, honestly, seriously, what? Ah, uh, I'm still pissed that they're not bringing Thomas Jane back for Punisher. Well, I mean, he was awesome in yeah. Dirty Laundry. I wa- I finally watched that. Loved it. It was perfect. Oh, man. Yeah, so I don't know what to say about I that. Just... The one thing I do know about Stallone is his face is so huge from all the swelling. I mean, especially in Rambo. You see how big it is? It's like he is on – isn't he on, like, human growth hormone or something that's making him all swell up? Yeah, that, and he works out so much. He yeah, still works out to this day. Yeah, it's crazy. He doesn't give up. He's, what, 70 now? He does not look He's like pushing seventy. Yeah, he does not look seventy compared to what seventy looked like when I was a kid. I was like, wow. <laughs> I know. He, I, I don't know. He's probably got great genetics, and probably he probably juiced up a bit. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you never know. All right, so that is it for us here with this entry of franchise frenzy. Catch us with our next episode, the Fright Night series, which we should have done a couple months ago. I just keep delaying. I want to get it done before the end of the year. Exactly. I know. I can't wait to talk about that one. I had so much fun watching. The original two, and then watching the remake. The remake, I thought, was just fantastic with Anton Yelkin and Dave Tennant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that'll be our next episode. Check us out on Facebook. We're under Retro Rocket Entertainment for all the podcasts. But if you are kind of like, eh, I hate those other podcasts you do. I don't like Video Night. Well, we have a page set up for Video Night Podcast as well. You can go there and like us and catch all of our episodes. And we're throwing out a lot of the older episodes that are experiments that you never really heard before. And, uh, Jacob, thank you for joining me for this one. And everybody, be excellent to each other. All right. Have a good night, you guys. All right. Welcome to Back in Tunes. I'm Michael, your host. And I'm Jacob, the co-host. Yay! We're doing this through Skype, so it sounds a little bit weird, but um, if you never listen to Back in Tunes, what we do is we watch the very first episode of a classic animated series. We kind of chit-chat about it while it's running. Um, so you can find this on Netflix, the complete series. You can also find it, I'm watching it on YouTube right now, since I don't have access to Netflix, because I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yes, you're in, you're not even in Narnia. No, you're, not even you're in the plane. I, I would rather you're be in the, in the pit plane. right now. The pit for GI Joe, their base is in the middle of nowhere, buried under the sand. If I remember correctly, <laughs> that would be more accessible than where I am right now. Oh yes, at least you'd be getting a lot of vitamin D when you have sun. Oh uh, no, there's no sun here. It's on the coast, Oregon coast. Uh, there's no sun. It's all bleh. It's all gray and cloudy and gloomy. Yep. All right. So it doesn't get too hot here, though. That's the nice part. All right. So oh, we're gonna okay. go ahead and hit play now. Play. Play. All right. So GI Joe definitely is a huge, huge part of my generation. That and Transformers. Man, I don't know what Hasbro had going on, but man, they had the best people designing um, 
their their toys and coming up with ideas for the characters. We just love the uh, oh, yeah. rich mythology from both those series. Oh, no, I mean, G.I. Joe in particular. I mean, I grew up watching that, too. I mean, my parents, I mean, they would always show reruns. My parents would get me into it. You know, it was also very patriotic, you know, because, you know, nothing says America like a bunch of commandos going out and kicking everyone's ass. <laughs> That's the way it was in the 80s, man. Everybody was, like, gung-ho for, you know, all these military movies, you know, either getting our missing action people back or just taking on the Russians or taking on vague bad guys like the... Uh, Comrade. Well, the nice part about Cobra is that they were multinational, you know. <laughs> they were all over the place. Actually, wasn't G.I. Joe, weren't some of them foreign? Am I wrong? Or were they all yeah, American? No, some of them are no, yeah, no, some of them are foreign. Yeah, it was all it was all multinational as well. At least that's what they did in the first movie, too. Yeah, well, they changed I mean, it. The, the original movie was supposed to be a G.I. Joe, a real American hero, but they took that out, and they decided to make an international cast so they could sell it worldwide, which is a good idea. Oh, I know. I thought it worked wonderfully. And, I mean, yeah, Stephen Summers, I thought, did a... It was really fun watching the first movie. He I'll always say, makes fun movies. Yeah, the first one is a lot of fun, even though it's kind of dumb, and the CGI is touch and go. Some looks bad, some looks good. But that second one, even though it's more realistic and it has a better script, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. No, it's not as fun. It's just badass, but not yeah, as fun. Yeah, but it felt like I was having a blast, like a ride when I was a kid again. I was just like, I'm watching more yeah. of a standard military movie with just a few gadgets. That's it. That's exactly what I felt when I was watching the first one, especially this, uh, the acceleration suits. Yeah. It's just some of the I characters mean, and actors they picked were just wrong. I don't understand. There's nothing really wrong with Marlon Wayans. He was really good in um, uh, Requiem for a Dream. But his character, for one, why Ripcord? Why Rip? You know, and why, you know, why have him be so prominent? Why didn't he grab Stalker? Yeah, no, he could have been either Stalker and then... Channing Tatum, I thought was a good Duke, was greatest. Duke. Yeah, he's good as Duke. Yeah, I know, but and that, for me personally, all that really, all that really mattered was Snake Eyes, and they got Ray Park, and he just had to be in the suit and was just silent the whole time. Oh yeah, so and I'm he like, just, yeah, he just nails it. So does Storm Shadow. They really did a good job picking him too. Oh yeah, Byung Hai Lee, I believe his name is. Yeah, he was also he also was in Red Two recently. Oh yeah, that's right. He, he kicked ass as well. Well, I remember him from Good, the Bad, and the Weird. Which is a really good movie you can find on Netflix. It's a reinterpretation of the Good and the Bad and the Ugly, but set in Korea. He's the villain in that movie. It's so damn good. That's good to know. You ha- oh you haven't seen it? No 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 I've heard of it. I mean it was there's a an advertisement for it on IFC, but I never was able to watch it. Oh yeah, take the time to watch that one. It's great. Um, other than that, uh, you know I do I do I do like Scarlet in the first one. I can't remember her name. Um, but then replacing her with Lady J, I could give or take Lady J. I really did like Scarlet, though, in the first movie. Scarlet, I forget the actress's name, but she was an alias. She was also in Star Trek. She played the green alien girl. Rachel that Taylor? Is that it? Rachel Taylor? It's something I like that. I believe that's it. I think that's it. Hey, but what she I think, is, what's wrong with the first one, like I said, with the effects, but you like Dennis Quaid in that movie. I think that's one of Dennis Quaid's worst performances. I think it's almost embarrassing. They did mention that knowing is half the battle line in. I thought when they threw that in, I had to laugh. I mean, yeah, it was funny, but it also like kind of made sense. But, no, you know, it's growing true. up with GI Joe, it just bring, it just brings joy in your heart. Um, yeah. Did they ever mention more than meets the eye in the Transformers movies? No. You think Fucking they would have? <laughs> you think they would have with all the stupid one-liners they had? They would have. They would have at least yeah, dropped that. 
Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh god. The one it's thing just play Michael Bay. The one thing but that yeah, disappoints no, me a little bit is Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis just phoning it in. Uh, he's so he's just not there for the second movie, even though you know why they had to get somebody that was like older and it could accessible to um you know like you know your, your dads and your grandparents would be Bruce Willis, but he looks like he's just tired doing the whole movie. Pretty much, yeah. Well, he's supposed to be retired, and I pretty I'm pretty sure he just finished Red Two at the time. Oh, that would make sense. Actually, no, no, no. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but Retaliation was actually delayed by I think eight months. It was supposed to come out in July of 2012, and I remember the toys being put on the shelf at Target and other stores, and all of a sudden they changed it within the last month. They stopped. They even, I even saw the trailers for like months. They stopped and pulled everything, oh, and they went and reshot some scenes with Channing Tatum, and then they went and converted it to 3D, but it took so long. It got delayed till what, March of two, uh, 2013? That's a long, long... Yeah, it is. But they uh, orig- originally they didn't have much for Channing Tatum. He only showed up for a couple of days, and all of a sudden he blew up in the summer of 2012 with Magic Mike, 21 Jump Street, and a couple other movies. So they're like, "Crap, we need to film some more stuff." And I still think that he's alive. I don't think that he's dead in the movie. You see the yeah, explosion, but you don't see his body. Yeah, I know. Like, but no, I mean, when uh, later on it did show that scene where Lady J. Uh, Roadblock and who was the other guy that was with them? Flint. Flint, yeah. When they saw him, they found Duke's body and then they buried him. But maybe they, maybe they probably picked the wrong body for all we know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember. I even have the director's cut. I don't remember them actually finding the body. Um, I feel that maybe Cobra, you know, since they blew up the area, maybe they found him still alive. This sounds crazy, but found him still alive. Took him back to their base, brainwashed him like they did with Baroness, and turned him into a Serpentor. That's probably what they're. That's probably what's going to happen because I mean, you kill off Duke, who's like the main character of GI Joe. And I think that people assume that he is gone, but wouldn't it be a great idea if he showed up halfway through the third one as the main villain and threw everybody off? Like, what the hell? And then they brought in another villain because there really isn't a whole lot of people. Like Destro is still captive; he could get loose. Um, Yeah, Cobra Commander, but um, who is dead? Uh, Zartan is dead, right? For certain, he is dead. So is that dude. The Storm Shadow killed him and impaled him oh, on that's his right. sword. So, Fire, yeah. Firefly is dead. Oh yeah, Ray Winstone. I liked Ray Winstone. I thought he was—he was—he's such a badass. I mean, he definitely deserves more credit, especially—I mean, especially when he played Punisher. I thought he was a great Punisher. He was. Uh, I think Thomas Jane's better, but yeah, he is. I mean, he... Ray Winstone. Plus, with the um, Punisher Warzone, they definitely went in a gorier, bloodier direction. Oh god, that movie's outrageous. Um, here's the weird thing about Firefly. Um, Actually, I should say this first. Uh, I started collecting the toys from the very beginning. My first two toys were the original Snake Eyes and um, Breaker, the one that chewed the bubble gum. Those were my oh, first yeah. two. Those are the only ones I had from the first series. I only got a few from the second series. It was the third series I really picked up. But I remember one of the guys I got from the second series was Firefly. And when it came to um, show and tell at, uh, I think it was in second grade, and we're talking about what we got, and I didn't bring anything in, but I just said, oh, yeah, I got Firefly. And people were like, you got a bug? No, 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 Firefly. He's a, he's a guy. A guy that's shaped like a Firefly? No, he's from G.I. Joe. And it, it's just weird that I would just say a Firefly, assuming that everybody would know what that is. <laughs> oh, I got a Snake Eyes. What, were you playing poker? No, he's a toy. He's a guy. He's a G.I. Joe. How the fuck do you kids not know G.I. Joe? What's the matter with you? 
Um, I always had yeah, I had, I had so many more GI Joes than I ever did of Transformers because Transformers were really expensive. GI Joes I think were only like three ninety nine oh, a figure. Yeah, no, GI yeah, GI Joes are pretty cheap, and I mean for me it was always just Snake Eyes. I mean that's all I cared about. He was a ninja. He kicked ass. He didn't have to take shit from anybody. And I think oh later on down the you know Sergeant Slaughter from wrestling. Yeah. He, oh, was, God. <laughs> he was a big part of the movie, but he was also a very popular, uh, like, toy. I have no idea. I never knew he was a wrestler when I when he first came out. I just thought, that's an interesting character. And then found out later no, he either. was from the WWF. Yeah, and you know what's funny? He also had an appearance on the uh, Super Mario show, the cartoon. Really? And he, um, yeah, he, he was, uh, it was during the live action segment when, you know, Lou Albano and that other actor are dressed up as Mario and Luigi and are talking, discussing such, uh, all sorts of stuff. And then Sergeant Slaughter would come in and talk about and help out with the little live action segment. Oh, I remember that. That's the one where hooked on the brothers, the brothers, the brothers. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Um, I, I thought Sergeant Slaughter, I guess he maybe he owned the rights to his character since he could show up wherever. You know, does it seem a little strange that... Usually with the WWF, they have the rights to everything. Even the word The Rock, I think they actually own the rights to that name, The Rock. Whereas maybe back in the 80s, they didn't really think about that. And Sergeant Slaughter was allowed to be a G.I. Joe character, was allowed to be on other shows. Um, do you remember there was a Refrigerator Perry? Refrigerator Perry. Yeah, he was the Chicago Bears player. He was a really big guy. They actually made a figure of him, too. And I, I can't remember if he was in the cartoon or not. Yeah, he had a chain with a football in the end. He would hit people with it and just tackle people all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I think no. Sergeant Slaughter, mostly he just barked orders at people and randomly just punched every once in a while. But there was one more. There was a third character that they were going to introduce, which was from a movie or real life. And it was supposed to be Rocky Balboa. He was going to join the G.I. Joes. <laughs> but if I remember correctly, the license, when they developed the character, the license was really cheap. But then uh, Rocky Five had come out or something. They changed their mind and they char- they asked fucking for Rocky much, much more. What? I said fucking Rocky Five. Oh, not five. Four. Four. Sorry, four. Oh, four. Five. Oh, let's four. let's oh, forget four. five even exists. <laughs> I don't know. Part four. Oh my god, that was that was definitely huge, especially as being the Reagan era, going against the Ruskies, showing that America can still kick ass. And plus, and Stallone, you know, being politically fucked up as he is, he was definitely pro Reagan. What is it? But I think. Go ahead. Last time he got involved in politics, he was endorsing Bush uh, for his first term president in 2000. And after that, he just dropped out because he's like, oh, God, I can't believe it was part of this. <laughs> but honestly, if they put Rocky Balboa in G.I. Joe, <laughs> I can just imagine him yelling out, Yo, Scarlet! Yeah, actually. <laughs> like right after the mission's done, he's all bloodied and hurt. And he's still alive. Yo, Scarlet! I did it! <laughs> if you look up online right now, it says in 1987. <laughs> I can't believe that shit. 1987, they tried to introduce Rocky Balboa. They even have pictures of the original sculpt online. If you look it up right now, it looks amazing. But, uh, what is it? Yeah, it's only one prototype. And uh, they promoted promoted it in Marvel Comics, though, before the negotiations were completed. That's ridiculous. They even have the packaging up. He became another character, though. Oh, my God, the, the packaging is fucking insane. It's literally Rocky Balboa in like a jersey with a giant staff with two boxing gloves on each end. <laughs> I kid you not, it's a staff with boxing gloves on end, so you'd like punch people with them. Just use your own uh, hands. It's absurd. 
But um, it became. Know, like you got super fists. They, they, be, they should be like fists made of metal. They should have. Um, they should have. Yeah, never mind. But they turned him to a villain called Big Boa. So he was actually a Cobra character at the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, oh, God, but yeah, I think in the. But yeah, watching Retaliation, they killed off a lot of villains. Yeah, so I don't know who they have left. Um, Zartan. Uh, he had his team called the Dreadnoughts. You could bring the Dreadnoughts in. You could bring um, Zaymont Tomax, the twin brothers. You could bring Baroness back, but that would be tired. Um, Mindbender is dead. Um, Wait, Mindbender, Dr. Mindbender, I don't... They, no, first, in the first movie, he was Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and then he turned out, then he became Cobra Commander. Yeah, so I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I can't remember, do you remember the scene in the first movie where he goes into the lab and there's the guy, I can't remember, Kevin O'Connor, I think his name, you know, from The Mummy. Yeah. Who is he? What What's his character's name? Isn't that Dr. Mindbender? That was Dr. Mindbender, yeah. And then and then Joseph Gordon-Levitt steals his identity. Yes, because evidently they're dead. I mean, shoot, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt barely survived and he was all scarred and burned and everything. So I'm pretty sure the other guy was dead. And there's Major Blood. He, pro- he probably ate him. No, gross. <laughs> uh, there's Major Blood. Yeah, there's Major Blood. He could become an issue because he was actually part of the first couple runs in the first season of the cartoon where he was a major villain. Um, yeah. And Destro's still alive as his Cobra Commander, so yeah, they could definitely still be around. I hope they don't go stupid and introduce a character that doesn't already exist in the mythology because it's so rich that you could pull from anywhere. Um, the, uh-huh. the only problem with Cobra is they only focused on maybe 10 guys where the rest of them were just vipers, just mindless vipers, you know? Whereas G.I. Joe right. did a really good job of introducing, like, 12 new guys every single year, so you have tons of heroes you could pull from. And I hope on the new one, they said they're going to focus on Roadblock, which seems like a bad idea. Yes, he can be the lead, because he is the biggest name. You have to bring in other characters, so just in case The Rock quits, you know. Right, yeah. I want, I definitely want Heavy Duty to come back. I liked Heavy Duty. I liked, I, I call him Triple A because it's hard to pronounce his name. Yeah. There's, there's like three, there's three or four guys that are like heavy machinery, like Scarlet tough guys. Come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's Rock and Roll. Um, there's, oh, Rock and Roll. There's Roadblock. There's Heavy Duty. And then, uh, Gung Ho is a big guy. He wasn't really a yeah. machine gunnery kind of guy though. He was just like a big tough guy. I don't think that they would bring him in the way he was, wearing like a leather vest. He looked like a member of the y- uh, YMCA uh, Village People. He looked like a Village <laughs> People member. Now, when they brought him back, a, a lot of the characters they would bring back if they were popular enough and then redo their uniforms to give them a whole new look. And I remember, for some reason, I think it was during the fourth run or maybe the fifth run, they brought Gung-Ho back, but complete in his like full-on uh, Navy. Wait, was he Navy or Marine? So he was Marine. Uh, his full yeah, like his get up, you know, his suit or whatever, and like his fancy sword. Yes, awesome. And that's the only character I know that they ever brought that back, like in that um, toy kind of outfit, you know, like something that someone would really wear. Oh yeah. Now honestly, if they brought him in the next movie, like on the, and that sword, that's famous sword he has. Would it be like some kind of special laser sword? No, no, that sword is like his official military gear. You know, there's something you would actually see in real life if he was graduating from the military or whatever, or okay, some sort of special okay, ceremony. Okay. It was full of garb. Um, they might skip Gung Ho. Technically, I believe Gung Ho was Brendan Fraser in the first movie. Like, that was his cameo. But I don't think they ever right. said his name. No, no they never did. Uh, I think, 
you know, Brendan Fraser had a cameo because, you know, Stephen Summers, he wanted to bring, he pretty much brought in a lot of people from The Mummy. He brought in Brendan Fraser and Kevin uh, Connor. Plays Heavy Duty. Yeah. And Kevin O'Connor, yeah, from the uh, Zartan, Dr. which is Andre, um, something Vasu, uh, Arn- Arnold Vasu. Yeah, 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 he did. He brought in a lot of people from The Mummy. But Arnold, honestly, Arnold Vosloo, I think this guy should definitely get more screen time. I like him. Yeah, he's a really good yeah. actor who I remember the first time I saw him was the bad guy in Hard Target with Van Damme. He was kind of uh, exotic and weird and unusual, and he just had a, a killer showdown with Van Damme at the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was also in Steel Dawn. I remember seeing him in Steel Dawn. He I, was like one of the uh, bad guys in that. I literally just watched Steel Dawn last week. It's on Hulu. <laughs> yeah. And, um, he was, and then I remember him. He was also the voice of Black Adam in the uh, animated sh- uh, movie uh, Shazam and Superman. Yeah, I would say he could still play Black Adam if they ever do a Shazam movie. Have The Rock play Shazam and then uh, have him play Black Adam. Yeah, they were originally going to have The Rock play Black Adam. Oh. because. Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm hoping they bring that movie to light. Yeah, it, they've been talking about it for like 10 years now. It's ridiculous how many people they've had attached to it. Is this- so the yeah. third movie, the third G.I. Joe movie is now being written, and I don't really care for the writer, and they don't have a director because John Chu apparently went off to do Gem uh, and the Holograms. So uh, I, I'm really worried that the third one, the third one's going to fall apart. Uh, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Hopefully not. Hopefully, I mean, Well, now that the second one, the second one actually made more money than the first movie, and it cost a lot less. Um, the first one cost 175 million. The second one cost 120, but most of that went into the reshoots and converting to 3D. So it probably actually cost about 100 million. If you could somehow take that real world sensibility and just add a little bit more fun to it, and now they'll have the budget to do that. Yeah, I remember the first one. It definitely made over 300 million. Yeah, I think it capped out at 350, and the second one made like almost uh, like a shade under 400 million. But cost a lot less. Right. But, you know, made more money that way. Do you watch? Oh the... yeah, no. Go ahead. Huh? Go ahead. I wasn't gonna say anything. Oh, do you watch the newer cartoons? Because there's been like four no. or five series. The new ones are god awful. I mean, the storylines are okay, but the animation is just garbage, in my opinion. In my head, there's, there's only two animated series. There's the original series, which only was two seasons, and then they brought it back in the late, I think, in 1989. Um, for two more years. The animation's a little bit different because it's no longer Marvel, but both are part right. of the canon. And they're, they're continuations of each other. They're, they still belong in the same storyline. But the new stuff, that Renegades and Sigma-6, they look awful and, ugh, ugh. Just don't oh, there was G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe Extreme was pretty intense. I never got to watch that one. And I it, forgot that even existed it, until you just said it. And the toy line, oh gosh, all the toys, they weren't just like little figurines. They were, they were actually huge, like ripped up. Badass-looking motherfuckers. No more Kung Fu Grip? <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure they still had Kung Fu Grip. Oh, really? Everybody remembers that Kung mm-hmm. Fu Grip, because a lot of people don't know this, or may have forgotten. I like that. I... What? I like that how they mentioned that in the first movie, you know, when uh, Ripcord's, like, under, uh, he's being sedated, and he's like, oh my god, the hair looks so real. And then uh, Heavy Duty grabs his arm and squeezes it, he's like, a real Kung Fu Grip! Ow! <laughs> um... G.I. Joe has actually been around for, like, what, 50, 60 years? But a lot of people forget that it existed before the 1982 uh, relaunch. You know, they're much bigger figures. And there was no cartoon. Yeah. I don't even think there was a comic. It was just the toys, and that was it. And then in the 80s, yeah, just I think when it was they... The yeah, you're right, you're right. Okay, yeah, it was in the 60s, yeah. And that's and then, also, it had a comic book. Um, 
going on in 62. That's where it really started. Really? I didn't know there was a comic in the 60s. I should check I that out. It, yeah. I, I might be wrong. Okay. I'm probably thinking of something else. <laughs> Um, speaking of the comic book, um, Marvel really did a great job with, um, Larry Hama is credited with giving, uh, every character their backstory. If you ever bought one of the toys on the back, you'd flip it around with a little card and it would give you a couple paragraphs telling you about each character and like their specialties and stuff like that. He was responsible for coming up with all that. And he was also responsible for writing the whole comic. Oh yeah, and that's exactly what the, uh, that, that's what the uh, X Men figurines did. I mean, that's what um, every time I'd pick up an X Men figurine like Archangel or Wolverine, all of a sudden I'd see like a little stats card about them. Yeah, and I think GI Joe is the very first one to really do that. Like, you, they, I remember collecting the backing boards. Like, you would take the plastic out, take the action figure out, but you would collect the boards and continuously read them. In fact, I think you could even cut them. They had like a little line around man, them. That's, my, that's exactly what I did. Oh my god, with all the toys I collected, holy shit, I had a bunch of those, but. My parents thought I was making a mess, and they ended up recycling them. Oh, bummer. Yeah, I just love those cards. Um, We could go on forever with all these characters, because there's so many to talk about. Um, There's a couple from the Series 3 that I really like. Quick Kick, uh, Dusty, um, uh, Doc. What's that? Dusty was a desert. He had, Uh like, the little camouflage thing or whatever over his head, you know, keep the dust out. Uh, This Hmm. fourth series was Tunnel Rat, Sci-Fi. Um, and those are the, just coming off my head. They got really, really creative with the character designs and the storylines behind it. Oh yeah, um, especially for every situation. Yeah, I mean, any what was a uh, yes yeah, shipwreck? You had um, Sub Zero. What was the guy that could go underwater? He had like a little suit, uh, depth something, uh, deep sea or something like that. I can't remember. I feel terrible. I should have looked this I can't up. Remember, I can't recall. There's so many of them. Um, but I had I more. Have, I had they, more. Pretty much almost every single other one. I had so many of the action figures. I only had a couple of the ships, though. And they're usually just like the small vehicles, like a motorcycle or something like that. I never could afford the planes or the huge. Um, I had an right. uncle. I had an uncle that was like my age, and he had way more than I did. And I remember he had this one that could like it was one vehicle, but you could take all these bits and pieces out, like it fly off and, right. and a little motorcycle. It was amazing. It's called the Havoc, I think. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Um, yeah, we should probably do another episode of the second series because we can talk more about this. We should probably wrap it up. The one thing I'll say is the first series was by Marvel. Um, they took all their stuff overseas, did a really great job with it. Um, Marvel bought the company from DePat Freeling, who used to do the uh, Pink Panther cartoon, and they did a really good job of using that company to expand it to much more exciting stuff. Is that it for you? <laughs> yeah, oh. Um, yeah, evidently. Of course, I just wanted to keep Snake Eyes. That's really all it is for me. It's just Snake Eyes. That one character. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. All, right. all the other secondary, all the other uh, supporting cast, is, you know, fun to watch as well. There's got all the shenanigans, all the weaponry, all the, of course. And also, you know, you notice that they have, like, kind of, like, the same sound effects as Transformers did, too. Like, all the beep, 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 laser noise. <laughs> all right, so there's a second series. It's the series from Deke, which takes place from 89 to 91. Uh, we'll do another episode of that down the road. That way we can chit-chat some more about this. Because I didn't even begin to talk about the comics. Uh, which the storyline was so expansive and so grand. that uh, you know. And then we'll just do some more research so we can't we can stop doing this. Uh, what was that character's name again? I'll have a list and pictures in front of me. Alright, so uh, this is Michael signing off. Alright, this is Jacob signing off. You know, remember, knowing is half the battle, kids. G.I. Joe! <laughs> Alright, good night. No mistake, good luck.